Beyond Radley. Business, careers, and more. Virtual talks by experts from our community. Good afternoon, everyone, and a warm welcome to all members of the Radley community and to any of our school partners who've joined us today on Zoom. My name is Caroline Monaghan, and I'm responsible for the Beyond Radley Career Speaker Programme, a series of talks designed to give you a live insight into the world of work. Through these talks, we continue to introduce you to a wide range of careers so you can start to understand the options that are available to you and perhaps identify something that will become a passion for you in the future. And this is a strong theme that's come through from all of our speakers. If you can work out what it is that you really enjoy and channel that into your career, then overall, you will become much more fulfilled. Now, I'm going to introduce you to Andrew. Andrew has worked for companies ranging from startups to traditional corporates and is now a senior marketing director at global tech company, LinkedIn. He'll talk about the types of tech marketing jobs you can go into, the skills you'll need and how it pays to find and pursue something that you really enjoy. Over to you, Andrew. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me, Caroline, and uh, all of the Radley team. It's nice to um, get this opportunity to speak to you when I know everyone's not got the chance to be together. Uh, I uh, So I was asked to come and speak to you, um, as Caroline's already said, and what I'm going to do is actually jump straight in to my slides. Fantastic. Okay, so what I'm going to be talking to you about is two things, really. So the first thing is about a career in tech marketing, and the second piece is around my journey into tech marketing and how I guarantee you, if you have any concerns about any mistakes you might make on the way, I made plenty, and I can share those with you and help you understand that there are several routes into tech marketing. Before I start that, a little bit about me. Uh, so I was actually at Radley in 1989 to 1994. So I was there in G-Social. Uh, it was run by Guy Waller at the time. And then after that, Paul Gamble, who was my tutor. And I was taught by, um, I believe he's still there, Simon Barlas. So he taught me French and Spanish. So he can get the blame for my love of Spanish literature. And, uh, and actually, uh, Simon Dalrymple is a good friend who I believe is possibly on the call right now. So just uh, so hello to all of you folks and anyone who I haven't mentioned who is still at Radley. And nice to meet all of you who have had the time to be on the call now and anyone who will be watching the video later. So. I was not supposed to go into tech marketing. I'm originally from Nigeria and my father was very invested in my education. I was fortunate enough to leave Nigeria and come to England to study. And I used to go back to Nigeria on my holidays. And he, every time when I was coming back on from a holiday, he was very clear about what my path was supposed to be, which was I was supposed to study law when I finished at Radley. I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, and I imagine some of you might feel the same in terms of where you are in your, in your life stage right now, and that is okay. So let's talk about, if you are interested in tech marketing, what that might look like. So as a starting point, why a career in a tech company? I think that if you think about where we are now, in the midst of COVID, everyone disparate, spread out from each other all over the world, there's a lot of reasons why you might see the value of a tech company. Tech companies are the most valuable companies in the world. The top five tech companies, each of them are worth about a trillion dollars. 
They're the biggest employers and they are global companies uh, that employ people all over the world. If you consider, because that might seem very abstract, let's make that more specific. Think about the last delivery that you had. That was probably from Amazon and you might be expecting one today. If you think about Zoom, I'm not even sure you heard about Zoom before COVID and they went from 10 million subscribers to 300 million participant meetings a day, right? That's insane. If you think about um, TikTok, I'm not sure how many people knew about TikTok before COVID, but all of these things are key things that are driven by technology. Apple technology, Microsoft, um, and if you are actually in like in the Far East, Alibaba is a huge piece of that. So many of the names here should be familiar to you. But they're, they're, so from my own perspective, it's, it's incredibly clear why a career opportunity in tech is something that would be very interesting for anyone um, at this stage of their career right now. Tech is the most disruptive um, industry that exists, and it's the one that influences everything that we do. I love working in tech because I'm able to bring the creative part of myself as well as the commercial parts of myself around how we actually think about what it is the customers want and how you turn that into making money. Um, working for the companies that I work for, I'm fortunate that I get to, well, before COVID, I used to be able to travel all over the world. Um, and uh, and I, I'm sure that will return sometime soon, but also I, you just get to work with an, an incredible mix of people from all over the world with all different skill sets. Now, if you then think about what marketing is. So we're talking about tech marketing. We've talked about tech, what's the marketing piece? There are two quotes here I wanna to talk to you about. The first piece is about when you think about trying to understand a set of customers and what you do for them. Marketing helps you tap into trends, identify what people want, and basically give it to them when they want it. If you look at the, you know, the images here, you can see that the product these people, you know, the Apple products that you can see, whether it's the iPhone or the iPad, the product is the thing that has been built for these people because it is something that they know that people all over the world may want. But actually, if you think about where technology is going, lots of companies are tech companies that make things that are becoming more similar. And so the role of marketing is actually turning into one of storytelling, which is the second quote here. So of course, making products, for the audience that you want to make them for remains as important as ever. But what's becoming more important is the stories you tell those audiences. Because if you look at these pictures, the people in these pictures are waving the products around, but look at the people around them. They are part of a community. These people see themselves as part of a brand community that wants similar things and wants to achieve similar things with the products that they have. Um, and when I say they, that's me, that's many of us, given that Apple is, has got you know, millions of users. So that's about what marketing is about. So if you are interested in understanding how people work, and if you're interest, interested in the stories that you can tell them and the stories and the products you can build for them, that is a range, that's a range of things that you can do within a career in marketing. And I'll talk about that more later. So my career journey into tech marketing. I'm gonna tell you my journey using a framework of something which is called an Ikigai. 
And Ikigai is basically a Japanese principle that helps you to understand your reason for being in life. And I didn't have an Ikigai when I was at Radley, but actually it's a perfect way for me to tell you about the journey that I went through in terms of my career. So as a starting point, what are you good at? When I was at Radley, I was good at a number of things and I was known for those things. So for example, I was really good at sport. I was in the top teams for rugby, hockey, basketball, football. I was on big side and I quite enjoyed that. But actually when I left Radley, I wouldn't necessarily say that those are the things that I carried with me when I left. They were great when I was at Radley, but when it comes to the things that I loved, actually, even when I was at Radley, I absolutely loved languages, literature, art, design, um, declamations. I don't know if you still do declamations, but I, I loved declamations. When I think about it now, we were so privileged to be able to do that in front of you know poet laureates and actors and all these really incredible inspirational people. So I loved that, but my father wanted me to go into law. And so you could imagine how this, uh, this that attention starts brewing for a teenager and his father. But I decided to go down a path when I got to university of um, when I started out with law, I dropped law and I actually did French and politics. And I went to UCL, uh, so University College London. And uh, so I wanted to do that because I really enjoyed languages. And I also just honestly didn't know what I wanted to do yet. And I felt like it would give me time to figure out what that might be. So we then get into the next part of the Ikigai. What you can be paid for. This is the messy part. This is the bit where I make loads of mistakes. So I thought, in my mind, I was a storyteller. So what I decided to do was go down that route and see if I could get paid. So I decided that I would write a script and the script actually got some interest from Channel 4. So in my mind, it was super clear I was going to be a millionaire. So I thought sorted and uh, but actually Channel 4 didn't pick up the script. I didn't get paid for it and I wasn't a millionaire. Uh, so then I tried journalism, which was great but i was still really broke i just was i was doing internships and at that point this whole thing of bringing together what you like and what you get paid for it was not coming together and it got worse i went into pr i thought that was a great way to bring storytelling into business that really didn't work for me and i'm not pr really does work for some people it was not the right route for me i didn't enjoy it but this is where I then made a pivotal decision around, I probably needed to go the corporate route and work for a big company. So I said I was going to get on a graduate trainee program. And I went for a company which was called Yell. So most of you will not know Yell now, but Yell at the time was the equivalent of Google. So, uh, and so I was on a graduate trainee program and this is where the good bit happens. This is where the three pieces of the Ikigai come together. I was basically, uh, I was doing really well as a graduate. And then my first role on after the graduate trainee program, they gave me my own product line, which is pretty cool. To be very clear, it was the lowest revenue product that no one cared about. And so they felt pretty good about giving it to the graduate because it was really low risk. But the opportunity for me to basically decide on 
the types of products I might want to make for a particular audience, and then actually decide on how I would promote those and launch those. It was just a massive awakening of, my God, I love this. So I did that. I did that pretty well. They paid for me to do my MBA at Imperial College. And I thought, that's so kind of them. That's lovely. And I quit. And I went and worked for a startup in Paris um, uh, and London. Um, and that was incredible. So it was only like 100 people globally. You just worked incredibly like fast. You come up with an idea one day. By the end of the idea, the, the idea is literally out the door. And uh, I found the three pieces of my guy. Then I realized that actually I was working myself to death and I wanted to pursue something that met a bit like a purpose that I had in my life. And I, it took me some time to figure out what my purpose was, but I realized that what I really care about is addressing the inequality that exists in the world. And I, but then basically LinkedIn came calling and they are the fourth piece of my guide. LinkedIn's mission, they are a mission-driven tech company, which is around creating economic, economic opportunity for every member of the workforce. It means helping people to find opportunities which might be skills, learning, um, or jobs. And that was when I realized that actually that was what I wanted to do in tech marketing. So let's talk about some roles in tech marketing. So this, these are some roles in my team. I have a team that basically spans Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Latin America. So product marketing, that's what I started in. So when I was talking about being given a product line, that's the bit where you basically have the opportunity to look at the market research, look at information about customers, and then you decide on the type of product you want to build for those customers and how you want to actually launch those products. So for example, when Apple launches an iPad, um, that's the product marketing person who comes up with that whole plan. The content marketing person basically goes, I think that plan sounds great, but actually you need, we need to tell this story and uh, this audience a story that's gonna be really interesting. We need something compelling. So why don't we do something with Snoop? Um, and Snoop is basically gonna be our influencer that we're gonna use to tell us to tell a story about why the newest iPad is gonna be amazing. The digital marketing person goes, Snoop sounds great, but actually we should do that on Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok, and actually we should do a massive virtual event with like 3,000 people. That's the digital marketing person. The brand person goes, all of that is great, but I think none of you have really thought about the visuals about how this is supposed to look. So we've got this new product, but what's it called? What's the product called? And actually, what does it look like? And what, how is that going to fit with what our audience really aspires to? If you are someone who is artistic, if you are someone who really enjoys the visual side, the brand and communication world is a great part of the role. And the generalist marketer is typically someone who would, for example, run a market, a country. So it could be someone who's based in Brazil. So someone in my Brazilian team basically goes, I want to take everything that all those folks have done but they've done that based on what the people in San Francisco and the US really like. I want to make that work for the Brazilian audience, and we will need to change that in a way that really makes it appeal to people in my audience. So those are some of the key roles that exist. And I can happily answer some questions about that, or I'll be talking to Caroline about that in a second. 
then, so we can talk about how you get in. So the first bit is you don't have to go to university. If you don't go to university, you can get a professional qualification in marketing. There are a number of different ones. There's some very entry-level ones that you do um, that can get you into a role within marketing. And you can see some of the average kind of salaries you get for those. And then it becomes much more involved where, for example, if you do level six, which is the top, which was on the right-hand side, that is pretty much the equivalent to doing a degree. It's, the, it's a similar level of work. Then if you do want to go to university, you could do a, a specialist marketing course within a university. You can do a broad uh, set of de um, degrees out there, which is what I did. I did French and politics. I didn't do a marketing degree. Um, and then some people do their degree and still do a professional qualification afterwards. I was one of those people. Um, so there are different ways in which you can do that. Then before you even get into whether you go to university or you don't go into university, I want you to understand something about marketing. Some of you may think of marketing as something that is only a visual or creative or artistic type of thing. Some of marketing is that. So for example, if you are someone who loves art, design, you will love that visual and brand piece that I was talking about before. If you are someone who loves the storytelling element, then if you're doing an English or a humanities or a language, uh, uh, language type of degree, that would suit you really well too. And languages come up really well because these are global companies. So they're all over the world. So I speak French and Spanish, which means, thank you, Simon Barlas, I'm able to actually um, you know, uh, use those languages as I move about the world in my role. But also, if you're someone who actually likes IT, that is a massive part of being in a tech marketing role because you will actually understand a lot about the technology and how we tell that story and the types of things that we should be um, building for our customers. And if you are someone who likes maths, tech companies are built on data. Think about the last time you got into an Uber. The Uber knows where you are, who you are, and where you want to go using data. Data is literally the lifeblood of the technology that we use today. So I want you to just, if there's anything you take away about what it is that you're interested in now, then I want you to understand that the variety of things you're interested in still give you different entry points into marketing. And if you're great at all of those things, then even better. Um, so beyond the hard, like functional skills, this is some data that's taken from LinkedIn. So LinkedIn has over 700 million professionals all over the world. And the data that we have, back to the data point I was talking about earlier on, it tells us about the jobs that, uh, that companies put on the platform and the things they are looking for in those jobs. It also tells us about the skills that they list on those jobs. And we, uh, we aggregate all of that into a skills report. So the top five skills of 2020 amongst all of those 700 million professionals and all of the jobs that are listed, these are those skills. So creativity is incredibly sought after. Persuasion, your ability to help people understand that you understand what they need and that you're able to give it to them. Collaboration, very few things that you do now, whether it's tech marketing or not, there very few of them are things you can do on your own successfully. You need to understand how other parts of the pieces that you work in come together as a whole. Adaptability, 
this is huge. Think about where we are now in the world. Think about the fact that there are companies that were flourishing before and actually are not anymore. But you, but your ability to move about the world and move about your career as the world changes is crucial. I like. There's a key thing I want you to understand. You all know what Google and Facebook is now. When I was your age at Radley, that didn't even exist. It didn't exist. The job that I was going to be doing at that time at Radley had not existed yet. So where you are now, you can see the path of what you potentially want to do, but I guarantee you 10 years on from there, that's gonna look different. So it's so important that when you think about what you want to be doing, you think about what means something to you, what you feel is actually something you're passionate about, and the roles that will come will be based on that. Jamie Campbell spoke yesterday, um, last week or the week before about careers in film. You could be creative, collaborative, adaptable. You could go into film, you could go into tech. This isn't just about tech and emotional intelligence. So this is incredibly important. I think we spend a lot of time thinking about how smart we are. And sometimes we lack the humility to understand how we come across to other people. And one of the challenges that we can have sometimes is when we are in an environment like when I was at Radley, I was used to people who maybe thought a lot like me and had similar experiences to me. When you get out in the world, you will find that many, many people think and see the world differently. And you will be in the workforce amongst those people, which means you will need to understand something that you currently don't understand, which is fine. You just need to be open to understanding that your point of view is just a point of view amongst many. And the last thing I would say amongst all of that is these skills, while they're all incredibly important, they are not... A, so you going to Radley is an incredible privilege, but it is something that on its own will not be enough for you to be successful in careers like tech marketing. You, you will need these skills on top of what you have learned at Radley. So you thinking you're gonna walk out the school gates and walk into a career in tech marketing because maybe someone from Radley went there, it doesn't work that way. It's gonna be your own superpowers, your own skills, and what you can bring to the table. So the last thing I would say to you is, I guess the first thing I was saying about the Ikigai, and I wish that I had done this sooner. I decided on what I wanted to do with law, then figured out, God, I really don't wanna do that, and I kind of went backwards from there. Figure out what you love doing. At LinkedIn, we did a campaign, which is around all of the 700 million members on our platform, what it is that they are in it for, when they think about when they go about their lives and their careers, what does it mean to them? And as you can see on here, people are in it for different things. Figure out what you are in it for. You don't have to figure out the job you wanna do right now, but I would, I would say to you, use the time now to start to understand what do you care about? What do you feel good about? What gives you energy when you do it? What would you be doing if none of your friends were watching? You know, think about that and pursue that. Um, and that will that should be your North Star as you think about what you want to do. So 
Let me stop there, but I'll happily take any questions from Caroline because I know she's probably ready to hit me. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop sharing. Thanks, Andrew. That was an absolutely brilliant uh, whistle stop stop tour of the world of tech marketing. So thank you. A great introduction. Um, got a question uh, already on the chat. What practical advice would you give students looking to develop the non-academic skills that you mentioned? And so by the non-academic skills, is that related to the top five skills I was talking about around adaptability and collaboration, those types of things? Um, I think so, yes. Right. So I think that's a great question. So I think the good news is you can learn so many of those things at Radley, um, like in whatever school you're in now. So when I, but, but that said, let me be more specific so I don't give you a really vague answer. So collaboration, I think one of the, one of the things that may be useful is to think about what some of these things really mean. Some people say I work in a team, therefore I collaborate. And that's not really true. You can be in a team and you can just do your part of the your part of what's in the team and not really care about what anyone else is doing. Um, collaboration is when you literally think about a common goal and how you bring those things together. So there are opportunities to be involved in team activities that I would say to you. And when you do that, look at it through that lens of how am I helping to solve for the greater good? Adaptability, I think that is something that is more in mindset. A lot of these things are to do with a mindset. It's not just whether you're involved in a project, whether you are involved in a team. When you, from now on, as you start to do the things that you are doing in a team, in a classroom, start to think about how you might adopt that mindset of how am I taking a very fixed view of this? So the best advice I could give you is pick one, at a time, maybe, and, and and then think about how you can make those changes now and actually ask people. One of the things that really helped me is I can I once I once said to a friend of mine, I said, Hey, I'm really collaborative, aren't I? And they're like, not really. So uh, and they told me why I wasn't. So ask people, ask your teacher, ask your tutor, and they can tell you. Thank you. Another question here from Benji. You talked about storytelling in marketing to consumers, your iPad story. How does the marketing change if you're marketing your product or software to other firms or marketing your startup to initial investors? Ooh, that's a, that's a good. So how does the marketing change according to the audience? So um, that is a great question. My answer would be that the preference from a business's perspective is that the product, which is the most expensive part, doesn't change a lot. But when you get to the storytelling piece, you end up adjusting the story if necessary based on the needs of that audience. And the way that you do that is when you, so typically you would do research. So in marketing, in marketing departments, we spend money doing research, understanding audiences, and we call them segments. So if you're basically saying there is, a, um, there's a set of businesses or there's a set of investors, whichever those audiences are, you understand what those audiences want. If there are things that are in common, then you tell the same story. If there are things that are different, then you literally would carve out a different story to tell that segment. So marketing is really about segments. It's looking at different segments in different countries and telling them different stories. Thank you. 
Uh, question here, how does someone who's still in school learn about marketing? Um, he, I mean, tried teaching himself um, Google Analytics and click and how to get clicks when promoting on social media platforms. But it's quite challenging. It's quite hard to teach yourself through something like Google. Have you got any advice there for us? Yeah. Well, first off, really well done for getting on Google Analytics because <laughs> I mean, there's loads of there's loads of um, professionals out there in the world that are going nowhere near Google Analytics. So first, the fact you are even doing that, you are learning about marketing. Um, so I would say the point I so one of the things I said earlier on is that marketing is quite broad. So. If you are interested in that piece around analytics and how to do digital marketing and social media, um, there are actually some really good YouTube videos on that. There are actually influencers now. If you go onto YouTube and you basically say, how do I get, but actually I should say that they tend to do it by channel. So for example, they would say, how do I get really good at Instagram marketing? How do I get really good at Google marketing? How do I really get, get really good at Snapchat? They, there are people who literally go, this is how you do it. You would, uh, I think COVID has actually made that even more so. So I would say to you, get on that. But also the other thing without me doing a terrible plug is actually um, there are learning courses on LinkedIn um, that you, you can actually do that with. But definitely go on YouTube as a starting point. Thank you. Just briefly coming back to the Ikigai model. Um, when did you discover it? Because you said you didn't discover it at school. And how, how was it introduced to you? So it was introduced to me by a life coach. Um, so basically a life coach, for anyone who's not aware, is someone who basically, uh, if you get the opportunity, your company um, or employer will say, this is where you are in your career and you're thinking about where you want to go next. Talk to a life coach and they can help you think about where you go next. Um, one of the problems I had shaped possibly by my upbringing was I didn't really care that much about whether I liked my job. What I wanted was a job and I wanted to get paid. And I basically wanted the feeling that other people would think that what I was doing was good. Um, and he basically put the Ikigai in front of me and he said to me, I want you to answer these questions and I want you to tell me to what degree what you're doing right now fits with the things that you're doing. And uh, so that's how he introduced it to me. And it, was, it, was a, it really opened my mind because I thought, oh my goodness, I'm just completely fooling myself. I don't love what I what I'm doing, and I don't enjoy. Um, and I and actually, I'm not that great at it either. <laughs> and I think I'd be better at something else. So that's when I moved out of PR. That's great. Thank you. Um, you were talking about network earlier, and the network and using networks. How have you personally created and used a network and used it to further your career? Great question. I so just. Uh, full transparency, I was terrible at networking when I was at school, at university too. I thought networking was a dirty word um, and I just didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere near it. Um, I would encourage anybody to be networking. Um, and what I see that as is when you determine what it is that you are interested in, you are looking for a network of people who are also interested in the same thing and who can also help to give you advice uh, on the things that you want. So for example, you are very fortunate that you are on this call as part of a Radley network. There are people here who basically are saying, you're at Radley, I was at Radley, I feel a commonality with you because um, I was here and I want to help you. 
I want you to feel some confidence about the fact that those networks will exist outside of Radley. We're at a time now where you can reach out to people and say, I am someone who's really interested in Google Analytics. I love that part of marketing. Um, I would love to talk to you, Mr. Director of Marketing at Google, to understand more. You will be amazed by the number of people who will actually say, sure, I'll give you 30 minutes. Let's talk. And I would encourage you to do that. Understand people will not just say, go away, stop bothering me. Um, it's better than it used to be. That was your opportunity to plug LinkedIn there. <laughs> I held it. I held I held back. But thank you for plugging it for me. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I will plug it because we do have a great presence on LinkedIn and we've got quite a few people affiliated to us within the Randy Network. So it has been a great resource um, for us. On that, it'd be great to understand a little bit about what it's like working for a global company, a highly successful global company like LinkedIn. What's the culture like and um, why do you love it so much? Um, I love it because the, the number one thing I would say is because I am able to be myself at work. I tended to have a feeling that I just needed to force fit my personality into companies that I was in. And I, I did quite well, but I was just not, I was not happy. And so being happy doing the thing that I'm doing is, is an incredibly important part of me going for any job that I'm in. In LinkedIn, um, there is, there's a culture for you to be able to be yourself. Um, so if you're a geek, fantastic. If you're a jock, fantastic. If you are someone who loves um, marketing or creativity, all of that is absolutely great. Um, I would also say you get to, to work with a really diverse set of people, people from all over the world, different backgrounds, and they tend to have a passion for the mission that LinkedIn is part of, which is about creating economic opportunity for the world. Um, and they tend to be people who, back to the point earlier on about being collaborative, it is a very, it's something that is high on their agenda. And the last thing is it's aspirational. So the things that we want to do are far beyond what we are able to do right now. So we have something, one of our culture and values is basically dream big and get SH1T done. I like that. I might use that myself. Um, so in, in terms of big company, small company, if you are thinking of starting out early in your career, you've worked in both. Do you think it's better to start in a small or a big company to start your career? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely open to both. What I would say, though, is I liked the bit about going into a small company because you learn things really fast. You can't hide. And actually, not that you would necessarily want to, but if you're someone who loves to be given opportunity, there's no shortage of opportunity that you would get in a small company. In a bigger company, um, you can still get lots of opportunity. Uh, I would say that you possibly, if you only ever work for a big company, you possibly, you don't know what you might be missing on the other side. If it's not a fast moving company, what I would, but that said, just on that, what I would say is within a tech company, fast, if you're in a big tech company, um, 
the advice I would give, if you like rapidly changing environments, go for a company that is one that is changing fast and likes change. Um, if you're in a big company that doesn't change, that can be less exciting. You can find yourself working on the same products all the time. And that is probably not one I would highly recommend. So big or small is fine as long as they are moving fast. Great answer. Um, got quite a specific question for you here. Uh, how do you market online without it being marked as spam? Uh, I'd like um, to know the answer to that too. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's probably the, the question a lot of people ask themselves. So, my, so I will give quite a frank answer on this. Um, and it, I think that if you're marketing and you're wondering if it's going to be spam, it's because you don't know what your audience wants. And so you're basically just throwing out a net in the hope that someone says yes. I don't think that's good marketing. I think that that's sometimes what people do because maybe they just don't have time or resources and they go, I'll throw it out there and I hope someone takes this. I'm gonna do an email campaign. Or I'm gonna do a social media campaign to a thousand people and hopefully someone will say yes. Hope is not a strategy. Um, so that would be my answer. You need to understand who you want to market to. It doesn't matter you, if it's a thousand people and then like, 0.1% of them want what you're doing. That's not necessarily great. If it's 100 people and 50% of them want what you're doing, then that's way better. So marketing online isn't any different from marketing anywhere else. Understand what your customer wants or what your audience wants. Um, you said earlier on that you've traveled quite a bit in your career. Uh, do you advise that as a good course for people who want to round their careers off? I, I love it. I'm not saying that it's like compulsory. For, it's like, don't be, I'm not knocking anyone who basically wants to work in one city in Berlin or Paris or London and they love that. I love it because I love learning. Um, and <laughs> I wish I loved learning enough when I was at Radley. Um, but I, I certainly, um, and, and travel is a way I have found for me to learn so much. When you think about some of the skills we talked about earlier on, it challenges your perspectives of what, emotional intelligence is, what adaptability is, what collaboration is, because as you move across cultures, that can sometimes mean something a little bit different. Um, and so I have found that I, as a marketer, have become better by understanding other cultures and other countries. And following on from that, and the fact that you're now a bit grounded um, because of COVID, in terms of COVID, what do you think the impact has been on the technology, not technology industry, a positive or negative or a mix? Uh, so it's it's a mix and it's basically because I think it's such a great question because COVID only um, it's helped to really illustrate what's always been there. Technology is an industry of winners and losers um, all the time. So in, in, when you look at what happened with COVID, you had instances where there were some tech companies that actually didn't necessarily do so well. Um, and then you had other tech companies like Zoom, like TikTok, who basically said, this is my moment for us to actually capitalize on this. So tech, um, COVID has created an, a scenario where because we are at home, companies that are either agile enough to do that have capitalized on that, or companies who were already doing something that is useful, like Zoom already was, can capitalize on that. So ultimately, the, the rounded answer I would give is that if you are in tech, you are always in a good place. 
because a lot of people can move from one tech company to another. Thank you. I think, um, oh, have we got another question here. Which setback or disappointment in your work has been most beneficial in the longer run? Right, okay. Challenging one there from Mr. Oh, out him, Mr. Rathbone. Ah, uh, so which setback? Okay, yeah. So, so I, when I first started out as a leader, I was not a good leader. I used to think that basically <laughs> my version of leadership was, this is the thing I want you to do. And I know this really, really well because I've done this job. So let me tell you how you should do this. And um, I ran a team that was wildly unsuccessful. Um, and I soon, not soon enough, but I, I began to understand that um, the definition of a leader is someone who has followers. If you don't have followers, you're not a particularly good leader um, and you need to empower people. And so it was a big setback for me because the reason it was such a big setback was because I thought I was a good leader. And that, so that it's not even whether I was or not. The image I had of myself um, was very different to the reality. And I needed to do the work to realize where I was and realize where I wanted to be and then work towards that. I think that's always hard when you like, for example, maybe you think you should be on big side and actually you get picked in the third 15 and you're like, oh, that's well, not as good as I thought I was. And I think it was just hard to realize I wasn't as good as I thought I was. So thank you for that question, Steve. Um, it's a great question. Bit of a mean one, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what key advice would you give to those thinking about starting on a career journey in the tech industry? today if you could give one piece of advice for the boys who are thinking about it i would say be ready to adapt that is the biggest thing i would say to you um the it is the exciting thing about the tech industry is that it's in its very nature that it changes and so if you are basically thinking i want to do this job and it can only be in this fixed way um, you will not enjoy the tech industry. Um, it is a journey. And if you are along for that ride, you will absolutely love it. It will take you places that you can't even imagine right now. And if you are up for that, I would totally recommend going for a career in tech. Brilliant. I've actually had another question. I was going to wrap up, but I've got another question that snuck in here. Do you think confidence is a setback or a boost in tech marketing? Let me see if I understand the question well enough. Do you think confidence is a setback or a boost? So, it, so do you mean like overconfidence? Possibly, like I'm just I'm wondering. Perhaps, it, yeah. Is it necessary to be confident? Uh, I'm wondering how it becomes a setback. So, uh, yeah. so let me answer it as best as I can, or you can follow up and like write more um, around that question. So. Do I think confidence is a setback or a boost in tech marketing? So um, I think that confidence is important for whatever you do, but actually passion matters more. Um, I think sometimes you can fake confidence and, and it becomes a setback if people can't, if people don't buy that, but passion, like you can't fake passion. 
If you like what you're doing and you're doing it with people who also like that, you'll do well. And also don't forget something, it's unbelievably competitive. So if you're doing something and you're not passionate about it, but you're acting confident because you think that's what's required, you're going to lose because there are going to be people who are way more into it than you. Um, oh, there's more. So maybe arrogance. So do you think arrogance is, well, so actually I don't like arrogance. <laughs> so let me just answer that straight off right now. I don't like it. I don't want it in my team. Um, I, do, I do not appreciate it. Um, I do not mind confidence because actually you're going to come up, you're, you're going to be working with some really talented people. You'll be with people who have got degrees from Harvard, Oxford, UCL, some who didn't go to university and are geniuses, right? Um, and if, but if you think that arrogance is going to be the thing that makes you unique, I think you'll find that that's not really going to get you very far at all. And it also, if you think back to some of the skills we talked about, I'd love you to tell me one instance where arrogance fits well with any of those top five skills. Um, there's not a single one. Emotional intelligence, collaboration, adaptability. If you're arrogant, you're probably not particularly adaptable. Um, so arrogance, in my mind, is poison um, in those top five skills. So thank you, Andrew. That was incredibly useful. Um, a really authentic perspective on things and what it's like into in the tech marketing industry and honest insight. So we're really grateful that you came and spoke to us about that today. Now, before we all go, I'm going to tell you about the talk we have lined up on Friday. Following on from Doug Carr's talk on what it takes to be an entrepreneur, Nick Newbury, who founded his business, Original Travel, is going to talk to you about how to start and scale your own business from scratch. Finally, just a reminder, all of our talks are recorded and this one will be again today and put onto the Radley video area of our website. So if you're interested in watching them, then do go back and have a look. Thank you for attending and thank you so much to you, Andrew. Really appreciate it. That was absolutely brilliant. And we hope to see you at our next talk on Friday. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Check our channels for the latest news and events from the Radley and Society.